All right, so three other times, this is the fourth time in my ministry, I have prepared, and I will say, uh, confessing that it normally for, um, to speak for uh, 30, some of you chuckle at that, 30 minutes, it takes probably about 25 to 40 hours of preparation. Um, and I have just spent the last 10 minutes arguing with God because I have four times in my ministry, this is the fourth, prepared um, and then sat down and God changed my sermon. So I want to start with prayer. Father God, I'm scared to death. I'm scared that uh, I'm going to misspeak because I'm, I haven't done the due diligence on this text. I'm scared that people will mishear. So God, I need you desperately to speak through me this morning. I need you to show me uh, as we go. Lord, I pray that you give me the strength to rest in you, to be true to your word, to preach your word, not my opinion about your word, not my thoughts about your word, not what I think is the way it is, but God, preach the word. And God, I pray that you speak through me. God, I pray that this morning you pour your Holy Spirit out on this place. Without your Holy Spirit, there is no teaching because your Holy Spirit is our teacher. Without your Holy Spirit, there is no conviction because he's who draws. Without your Holy Spirit, there is no point to what we're doing. So God, we pray, we fall on our face and beg you that this morning, in this place, on this day, as we stand at the brink of a new decade, God, that today you pour your Spirit out on this place and you change us. God, don't let us walk out those doors the same people we were when we came in. God, I pray that we crucify ourselves this morning. God, I pray that we fall on our face and we call out, God, we are tired of playing church. God, I pray that this morning you do something. We are tired of week in, week out, day in, day out, doing the same old thing. We need you to change us. We want to bring something to this world that they need. And we know from your word that we have it. We just stink at delivering it. And we keep getting in our own way. We keep opening our mouths and defiling the gospel because we can't shut up about stupid things. God, we are so broken. We are so wrong that the world can't see the cross through us. So God, we desperately need you to change us. And we pray that you do that this morning. Please, God, make this a powerful morning and protect me from messing it up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn in your Bibles with me. Aaron Gulledge has messed me up. Turn in your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 2. The sermon that I had prepared, we were going to look at the church and that Jesus said to Peter, little Peter, little rock, this is my church and I will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We need to recognize that this that we're doing ain't ours. This is Jesus. It's his church. You know, I've heard a thousand football coaches stand in front of the teams and say, this team is your team. 
And sometimes we let that bleed into our sermons. This ain't your team. This is Jesus' team. It's his church. He's responsible to grow it. It's his work. But we've got things that we have to do. And Ephesians chapter 2 is in the midst of seven letters that Jesus wrote to seven churches to tell them how to act. So we've got responsibilities too. Philip used an analogy the other day. If we see that the siding is blowing off the side of the trailers, it's stupid for us to come up here and pray that God would, would keep it from wind blowing. We need to get our lazy butts out there and fix the siding. So there's some things that we have to do. There's some things that God has to do. And so in these letters, Jesus is telling the church in Ephesus, here's some stuff you've got to take care of. Now, as he lists out things to the church in Ephesus, he gives them a list of stuff that they're doing great. I know your works. I know your hard work, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You've not grown weary. He goes on at the end. You ha- I know that you, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So Jesus lists out to this church, hey, you're doing a bunch of good stuff. Your theology is exactly where it needs to be. You're not letting people do crazy stuff in the church. You're standing up to wickedness. You're doing all the stuff that makes you look like a good church. But then Jesus says, but I have this against you. You've abandoned your first love. Go and do the things you did before If you're not, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, what that means is removing a lampstand, that is Jesus symbolically saying, you will not be a light into your community anymore. You'll be a gathering of people. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of just a bunch of people getting together. I'm not interested in that. I want to be a part of something bigger than me. I want to be a part of something that's world-changing. I want to be a part of something that's huge, the church of God stretched out through all eternity. I want to be a part of that. And Jesus is telling this church, you've abandoned your first love, either fix it or I'm going to remove the fact that you're a church. You'll just be a club. They would still meet. But they'd be a zombie church. I'm not trying to mention any particular church, but Etowah County is absolutely full up of zombie churches. They're dead, but they're still moving. And they're not healthy for anybody. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. And so Jesus is warning them. Now, I've heard this sermon preached a thousand times where somebody started talking about emotion and said, okay, so Jesus said that you've got to go back to your first love, so you need to feel exactly the way you felt when you got saved. Well, first of all, that ain't how love in the Bible works. And second of all, that's not what he says. He doesn't say you have abandoned your first love, go and feel the way you felt before. Look at the text, Romans, Revelation 2. It says, go and do what you did before. Now, normally speaking, we would read that and go, well, I don't know what they did. But God's pretty smart. We actually know. We can turn over to the book of Acts and see what they did. So the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 is a neat story. In fact, the first part of the story, I don't know how this has not become a movie. There's literally a demon guy who is there, and there's these seven sons of Sceva who've decided that since Paul can cast out demons, they're going to make a buck and cast out demons too. And so these guys come to the demon-possessed guy, 
and say, we cast out this demon in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And so in my mind, this guy who's demon-possessed turns his head around 360 degrees, looks them in the face and says, Jesus I know, Paul I've heard of, who are you? How has that not been a movie, man? What a great scene. And then the demon-possessed guy proceeds to whoop them naked. I'm not making it up. It's what the text says. It says after that happened, it said that the, uh, the man in whom the evil spirit left on them mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, if you've ever been around a bunch of boys fighting bunch of senior boys that get in a fight and they're all chest to chest afterwards there's always an argument about who won i'm here to tell you if you got beat naked you lost <laughs> so these boys got beat naked that's the way a church has started right that's not our typical church planning story so what happened was this guy was and then he got beat naked all right so then it goes on and it says Fear, shockingly, fear fell upon them all, and the name of Jesus was extolled and lifted up. Many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So that's what Jesus is saying to return to. Okay, so let's look at just for a second at what they did. These group of people who are scared to death because they've seen demon activity in the real happening around them. They come together. They get real with each other. They confess their sins to one another. They're not covering up the way they are. They're not playing church. They're not faking it. They get real with each other. They confess their sins to one another. And then they have a reckless abandon in getting rid of their sin together. That tells me what the problem is in churches. Listen to me. We play church. We come in to this building and we put our best clothes on and we, we act like we're something we're not. We try to fake everybody out that we're super Christians when at home you're yelling at your wife and you're cussing at the dog and you're worried because you don't know how to pay the bills. And then you get out of your car and you walk in this building and you go, why, everything's just going great, praise the Lord. And we wonder why God's not changing us. You're playing a game. And so I want to beg you as a church Get in groups, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's with your choir, whether it's get in groups together and be real. Look your sister in the face and say, I'm struggling with worry. I don't know what's going to happen to my kid and I'm scared to death. Be honest. Men, I'm struggling with pornography. I can't make myself stop. What do I do? I'm struggling with, I gotta have stuff. Whatever your sin is, I don't know what it is, but you do. Be real with God. Be real with each other. Then God can change us. God can do something. As long as we're playing church, as long as we're being hypocrites and we're acting like something we're not, as long as we're puffing ourselves up with pride, God is not gonna bless the proud. 
When we humble ourselves before a holy God, then he does crazy, amazing stuff. And so Paul tells the church in Ephesus, hey, your theology is awesome. Keep it up. You're not allowing sin to run rampant in the church and everybody just lets, looks a blind eye. Great job. You're not letting false teachers, the Nicolaitans, come in and teach crazy stuff. Awesome. If you don't return and get real with God, you're going to be of no value to me or anybody else. So I'm telling you, North Lanco Baptist Church, we've got to be real with each other. God is looking for people who will humble themselves before him and let themselves be used. Now, in the text I was going to preach, we see that what the church is is a group of people who proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We see that the mission of the church the thing that we're supposed to be about doing, our end product is discipled Christians. Okay, so if you look at what is it we're supposed to do, and I think a lot of churches are confused at what we're supposed to be doing. In fact, this church, I took four weeks last January, and we went through in great detail what is it that the Bible defines as our mission. When I was in the Marine Corps, every Marine knows how to say the mission of the Marine Corps is to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by means of fire and maneuver. What does the Marine Corps do? The Marine Corps locates, close with, and destroys the enemy by means of fire and maneuver. What does the church do? The church goes into all the world and makes disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. That's what our mission is. That's what we're commanded to do. What do we do? We make disciples. Not converts, we make disciples. We make people that are growing. Now, the hard part about that is this. As John Owen said, Christians don't grow like this. Christians grow really slow. Two years ago, Ann bought me for Christmas a um, magnolia tree. Some of you don't like magnolia trees, and that's because you all don't know how to prune them. I'm just saying, and we can talk later, but if you prune it up like it's an oak tree, it's going to leave trash everywhere. If you leave it alone, let it grow like a magnolia tree, it's beautiful. That's for free. Um, so she bought me a magnolia tree, a six-foot magnolia tree. Um, so it was exact, I'm six foot, so it was about my height. Uh, we, me and William learned that a six-foot magnolia tree has about a six-foot root ball. And so if you don't have any heavy equipment, um, digging a six-foot hole and putting a, a tree in it is not pleasant with just two people. But we did it. We got it up. It's a little bit crooked, but it'll straighten up over time. Um, and so about once every two months, We'll be going out to get in the truck, and Ann will say, has that tree grown any? And I'll go out in the yard, and I'll stand by the tree, and it's a little bit taller than it was before. Here I am, six foot. I'm standing there like an 80. If anybody drove by, they'd go, why is that guy standing in attention by a tree? Well, I'm standing there because you can see that the tree's a little bit bigger. But at no point can you watch out and go, well, well, look at that magnolia growing. No, you have to look back and say, well, it used to be six foot. Now it's nine foot. Two years, it's gotten three feet taller. And look, it's a little bit wider. Remember when, when William and I planted it, we broke all these limbs off. Now they've grown back. And so it's slow over time. And that's how Christians grow. And so we're commanded to keep our focus on Jesus, not the other Christians, because they grow slow. If I looked at all y'all as a measure, it'd drive me crazy. That was supposed to be funny. 
A few people got it. If y'all watched my Christian growth, it would look like nothing's happening because it's happening slowly over time. So what I wanted to do at the last part of this sermon is I wanted us to look at some statistics. Because um, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, the deacons came down here and prayed because we had $14,000 in the bank. Now, it takes about $12,000 a week for this church to keep the lights on. And so if we've got $14,000 in the bank, that means that one snowy day in February or March or April, it is Alabama, one bad weekend, we could be in trouble. And so we prayed that God would provide, and God has provided. Someone in the meeting, we, uh, because we're Baptists, we had to have a meeting where we all talked about what we were going to do because we only had $14,000 to make it. was brought up that five, in 2015, so four and three-quarter year ago, we had to have the exact same meeting at the exact same time of the year and, and do the same thing. And so it would be easy if our end product was money to look and say, in 2014, we had $14,000 in the bank, and today we have $14,000 in the bank, so we failed. But I want us to look at this year, and I want us to look at that time frame and see what God has done. First, let's take this year. This year, our weekly average check-in in Kid City is 350 people. This year, um, we as a church, I'm just going to walk through the calendar. Every week, we have a high school group. We have a potato bar. We do choir workshops. We have a girls' Bible study. We do Sunday nights with the youth. Every Sunday night, a group of the youth get together. We call it Fight Club. That happens every Sunday night. We had uh, Mom's Night Out. We had CR every Sunday night. We do backpack blessings, backpack blessings packing. We do Wendy's Warriors food give out. We had a chili cook-off. We had a basketball banquet. We had multiple wedding showers and baby showers. Multiple. Had Sunday school parties. We, did ba- we had children's basketball. Uh, every Tuesday, there's a group of men that come together at this church and go out and visit the widows and orphans and uh, sick in our community. Uh, every, every Tuesday, there's a group of anywhere from, from four or five to uh, two or three vehicles. There's a college Bible study that meets weekly, a small group. Uh, we took the kids to the zoo. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't go to that. We had a women's retreat. We did youth camp. We did children's camp. We had multiple dream, dreamers luncheons. Once a month, our youth go into Kid City and lead the children's department. We want them to learn to serve. So 12 times this last year, we did youth-led Kid City. We did, and I can't even begin to list all all of the, the outside events. I don't know if you guys realize this, but what we do is we open the doors to our community and say, Glencoe Elementary School, if you need a place to do an awards banquet, do it here. And so we did Glencoe Athletic Banquet, Elementary School Awards Day, Elementary School Graduation, Middle School Awards Day, Middle School Graduations, Spelling Bees, Math Bees. Um, all con- we did the uh, Glencoe Community Athletic Banquet. We had an 11 events that occurred 
that this room was full of people that don't go to church. That God allowed those people to come in this building and see all of our scripture that we've got all over these walls, to see the fact that we have a huge cross here, to see the nativity, to see us living out one of the principal New Testament ideals, which is hospitality. Us being a good neighbor to our community. 11 times this year, which required lots of planning, lots of people to be here. Now, the reason I'm telling you these things is because I want you to realize that your tithes and offerings is what's paid for that. I was warned not to give this figure, but over the last five years, if you took all of the events that we've given for free, and you look at those events and charge the same thing that Gadsden State charges for their facility, which they're a little bit larger, but it's an equivalent piece of property. Our community has saved around $4.8 million because we've opened the doors for free. We've said, God has blessed us with this place. Come and use it. And this place, the, um, we had the county track tournament here we are just we anytime people want to use the place whether it's it's glencoe whether it's gaston's used it for their their uh, math b we have said come god has blessed us use it and that's only possible because your tithes and offerings are used by god to pay the power bill and to pay for the mortgage and to pay for Brian and Ann and, the, and I and the people who come up here and, and Matt and the people who come up here and arrange all that. The volunteers who showed up. You realize that three of the most traumatic events in Etowah County. As Hunter and Seth and Rosalind went home to be with Jesus. Their funerals were held right here. And not only did your tithes and offerings allow there to be a facility where that could happen, but many of you were out there in those halls greeting people, shaking hands, loving on people, hugging their neck. That's what it means to be the real church. Just showing people love. Not once did I see somebody go, you know you're not supposed to be watching Showtime. Because that doesn't save anybody. Okay, I'm moving on. i got a whole bunch of numbers. In the last year, and this figure, I want you to realize, comes not from guesstimations, but from people who have either checked in to a uh, children's area, given so that their name is, is, they have been written down as being involved with the church. There have been 666 individual people that have been involved with our church in the last year. That's 562 men and 641 women and 463 children. Now, if you take now and we look at that four years where we went from $14,000 in the bank to $14,000 in the bank, and these numbers are going to get big and they're going to get weird and you're not going to believe some of them because they're so huge. And I want you to understand that when I say a number like, uh, let me take one, one of the statistics. Okay, so backpack blessings. On average, we've do 40 backpack blessings a, um, a week. That's 36 weeks out of every year. So that means that 40 kids times four weeks, that's about 160 backpacks a month get filled. And so that means that each year around 5,760 children who would have missed a meal don't. I want you to think about that. 
That's 5,760 times that the love of God is reached out of this building into a child's home. A little child who doesn't have, because their parents are not providing food for them, now has food to eat. 5,670 times in the last year. Your tithes and offerings have been used by God to provide for that child to eat. Now, over the time when we went $14,000 or $14,000 where it looks like we, we, we're just stagnant, I want you to realize that's 91,000 meals. 91,000 times that the love of God has reached out of this building into the life of a child's home. Because God is blessing your gift. Over that time period, we've had 14,300 different incidents of a youth walking through that youth door. Now, there's, I get in that count that there's the same kid coming in four times a month that's going to be repeated. But that means that, what was my number? 14,000 times your children, your grandchildren heard the gospel proclaimed. Thank you for giving. We have celebrated the graduation of over 200 people in that five years. So sitting right there once a year, we get to, for 200 times, we got to say, congratulations, please go out and serve your king. This is a scary one. There have been 48 babies born to North Lincoln Baptist Church. So you might want to stay away from that water fountain out there. <laughs> I'm just saying. Our VBS average, 250 come into this building that for that week. So that over that five-year period, that's 1,250 times the gospel was proclaimed to those children. Wendy's Warriors in 2017 fed around 1,000 people. 2018 fed around 1,123 people. And this year, Wendy's Warriors fed 1,162 people. So for a total throughout this time period... That's 5,615 families have come to this church and said, we don't have enough money to feed our family next week, and this church has fed them. 5,615 meals. Praise the Lord. Do you see how God uses us when we do what he's asked us to do? Let me go on. We're just getting started good. Over that time period, from the meeting that we had in 2015 to the meeting that we had two weeks ago, $3,481,021 has been given to this church. This church has given about half a million dollars to missions during that time period. And I want you to think about that. We live in Glencoe, Alabama. Saw an article uh, just the other day in AL.com that Etowah County is the second highest unemployment rate in our state. I don't know, I didn't notice it was first. And so, in a very poor blue collar county, in the 49th place state economically in our country, so in a poor county, in a 
poor state, we've given half a million dollars to go out around the world to get the gospel out. We send gifts to Haiti. We send gifts to India. We send all of those flags out there. I don't, that's not decoration. All of those flags in the gathering area represent a missionary that we're supporting. That we're sending monthly checks to. We as a church tithe from every penny that's given, every jubilee that we had, that money that was raised, 100% of it goes to missions. The March of the Manger offering, all that money goes to missions. So in the last, from meeting to meeting, we've given half a million dollars away so that the gospel's proclaimed around the world. That's amazing that some little church in Glencoe, Alabama has given half a million dollars away. Praise God! That is amazing. The last time that the insurance company came and and estimated the value of of our facilities, the park that, that we have, this building, all the stuff that we have in the building, the valuation was around $7.7 million. During that same four-year period, we, uh, as a church, gave uh, a whole bunch of money. I promise I wrote it down. Total giving, 3,500,000 people fed, babies. Um, it was over a million dollars that we've given to service the debt. Now, Anne, when I was, no, no, that's not true. It's 200,000, so two, four, six, eight. So $800,000 we've given to service the debt. So when I was telling Anne some of these statistics, she goes, so why ain't it paid off? And I'm like, well, you need to talk to Jason. There's this thing called interest, and uh, the bank wants theirs, and they, the way they set it up is they get theirs first. But we've been, we're paying, and we're covering. And here's what I want you to see, is that four years ago, there was a meeting in my office. We got $14,000 in the bank. Three weeks ago, we had the same meeting. In a county that, just Southern Baptist, there have been 10 churches that have closed their doors in that same time period. The year before we had that meeting, we had an expert from the state convention that sat in my office and looked at our elders in the face, and you can ask them because they were all there and they'll tell you that it was true. He said, there's no reason for North Lincoln Baptist Church to be open in a year. I've seen, and his quote was, I've seen churches that had less or had more money in the bank, were in richer communities, better situated, that had less problems than what you're having right now that have already chained their doors. There is no reason, there is no reason whatsoever in man's eyes why Regions Bank shouldn't control this building right now. And yet, over that time frame, we've never missed a payment, we've never missed a bill, We've never had someone come to the elders and say, I really feel the Lord leading me in the direction of this ministry that we haven't been able to support it. We've never had a person come to the doors of this church and say, I'm hungry that we haven't had the money to feed them. We've never had a kid that wanted to go to camp and couldn't afford it, that somebody didn't support it. Do you see how amazingly faithful your God has been? There is no logical reason why any of that should be possible. 
God has not only blessed us, but blessed us to a point that's pressed down, overflowing, so that we can give money away to other ministries. We serve an amazing God. We serve a crazy awesome God. We serve a God that not only loved you so much that he saved you. He not only loved you so much that he said, that one's mine, I'm going to save her. But he loves you so much that he saved you and is now using you. Because when you give and it's used through ministry to reach other people, you participate in those blessings. All of the things that I listed out, that's not stuff that your pastor's done. That's not stuff that the deacons have done. That's not stuff that the elders have done. That's not stuff that the richest member of the church has done. That's stuff that God has done through all of you. God is using you to build his kingdom. And that is amazing. So as we come to a time of invitation, I want to say... First of all, the, the first part of the sermon, again, you can totally go beat up Aaron Gold because it's on him. He's, he put a thought in my mind and God just ran with it. We as a church, if we're going to grow into the next decade, we got to be real. We got to stop playing church. We got to start pretending we're something we're not. And two, recognize that five years ago, we didn't chain the doors. God's not done with us. And God provides as we go. He's always provided, He always will. And he wants to use you to help provide. Father God, Lord, I pray your blessings on this church. I pray that people would leave here lifted up and excited about what you've done in our midst. God, we thank you for all of those little tummies that have been filled. God, we thank you for those families that have walked away with a food box. We thank you for the hundreds of people who've walked through CR and heard the gospel. We thank you for all the college kids who've heard the gospel and grown in their walk. God, we thank you for all of the young marrieds and the, 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 the working men who come together and they experience your love and your teaching. God, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you for all that happens in that children's ministry. We thank you that this is a church that has little kids running around in it. Oh God, that is so rare. God, we thank you for all of those lives that came screaming into our lives. And we pray that you would use us, that you would continue to use us to build your kingdom, both inside of this building as we strengthen each other as disciples and outside of this building as we go. Use us, God. Put us to work. We are your people, and you are our God. You split the Red Sea. You made iron float, and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.